Have you spent the last few years or even decades jumping from one diet to another, one slimming club to the next, losing weight and regaining it? Well, this is the podcast for you. My name's Tara Grimes. I'm an expert fat loss coach, registered nutritionist and personal trainer, specializing in women over 40 and 50 who's struggling with that dreaded men weight. I run one of the world's top online fat loss programs, helping women finally get the better of their weight after years of failed diets. On the podcast, I get to be myself and talk to you guys in a straightforward, easy to understand way. So sit back, relax, enjoy, and get ready to obliterate that minnow weight. So I'm absolutely thrilled today to have Ellen Kavanagh-Jones, mummy, entrepreneur, and one of the first people I ever followed on Instagram. And Ellen, when I started this podcast series of interviewing business women and asking them about their health and their well-being, you're the first person came to mind. And um, I'm sort of fangirling here a wee bit. And I know I followed you about your business journey initially. But what I love about you is the realness and the fact that you're like the rest of us. You know, you're running between pillar to post, trying to rear a family, trying to keep a business, trying to have a life and trying to deal with all the other stresses that life throws us at us as well, which I know you've been through recently. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself for anybody who follows me who doesn't know Alan. You're in for a treat, Alan. So take it away. I feel like the biggest imposter syndrome right now. I feel no more... Uh, worthy of anything to do with health and fitness at all um but it is obviously every year it goes on the goal list I'm sure I'm not the only one that that's an annual occurring theme but maybe this year I'm hoping to get a handle on it um so my name is Ellen I um started a company called Waxperts in 2008 it's a waxing only salon based in Dunleary and created and made our own products and waxes to use when we were doing the treatments and it just grew and grew. Um, so now we supply beauty salons and spas with waxing products nationwide in Ireland and, and in the UK. Um, so if you go into a salon, hopefully you will see Waxperts by name uh, in there or on their website or um you know, their, their sticker in the window or something like that. So waxing is definitely my passion. I went and did beauty therapy uh, training and uh, I'm Sedesco qualified. So I did all the bits and pieces, facials and nails and waxing was just the one I, I enjoyed. And not because it was to hurt people, but because when I was doing it, I wasn't hurting people. So I got good feedback and I just thought, no, I'm going to stick with something I'm I'm good at and try and build on that as much as I can. Um, so that's really, you know, where my career has placed me within the, the waxing world, probably very, very niche and the least sexiest part of the beauty industry. But, you know, it's a bread and butter part of of salons. And um, a couple of years ago, well, three years ago, actually soon, we expanded into the direct consumer market to take on the likes of Veet with an at-home waxing product um, called Hair. So H-E-I-R-E. So it has era in it for our roots and it's like hair. Um, so that particular decision was based on 
the fact that people who don't go to a salon at all and are doing it at home only had a choice of some products that actually weren't very good. And, you know, I had picked one up one time I was stuck and couldn't use it. And I thought if I can't wax using this particular at home waxing kit, how is somebody who's not a qualified waxer going to do it? So very, very different businesses, even though it's all waxing, um, very different consumers and all of that. So a lot of challenges and then throw in COVID like everybody else and your business just changes again, all over again. But um, that's where we're, you know, what our passion is and what we're doing in the beauty industry. It is a very kind of niche area um, that we specialize in. But I feel we do it very well and we're all very passionate about about waxing. So that kind of stands to us in it. Yeah, I, I know my local salon. I give them a shout out, the Beauty Lounge here in Donoghmore and County. Oh, yeah. They use your they use your products. Yeah. And, um and they love it. And definitely I don't know whether it's your wax or the therapist because we have we have a <laughs> As I always say, Claire loves, you know, she's she, she comes at you like Miss Trunchbull when she could come in for wax. I used to PT her, Claire. I used to PT Claire and she's like payback, you know, when I come in for a wax. Totally. And, um, you know, she nearly comes at you like, ha 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 ha, I'm going to get you now, lie down there. <laughs> but since she got wax spurts, that's, you know, it's not as sore anymore. <laughs> so well, that's the thing. And I think I suppose what what makes us different as a company is that like I'm a waxer we've waxers here in the team who are trainers and educators and it's always coming from our perspective as a waxer we all get waxed ourselves here I have no pain threshold whatsoever the worst person to wax <laughs> so I feel like we have a good balance on what works as somebody who is doing the job we're not just some company somewhere making wax and have yeah. never you know yeah. done all the treatments so I feel when we're doing product development and stuff like that it is coming from like the waxers so it's very much relatable yeah. to yeah. salon owners and people who wax because we're just the, like you were just the same yeah. we want to do the best job we can for our clients I don't want it to hurt because I'm a client and I have no pain yeah. threshold yeah you know I'm a salon owner we want it to be you know the best product we can have so yeah. and, and it's funny because I get that. And, and I ended up in my job doing what I'm doing because of the same thing. I was bringing people in to do PT sessions and they thought that I was going to turn them into body beautiful with one PT or two PT sessions a week. And I realized, well, it's not about the PT session. It's about what you do when you walk out the door. It's the other 110 waking hours of the week. And and so you think, OK, you know, I'm being silly here. It's like the Pareto principle, the 80-20. I, I need to fix the 80 here. And not the yeah. company. And for you, it's like coming in, somebody coming in for waxing. If the product's shit, it's not doing the job. You know, if you have the entrepreneurial spirit to go and to create a product from scratch, go for it. And and Ellen, have you always been entrepreneurial? Is this something that is in you? Do you come from a background of entrepreneurs or business people, or is this just something that happened by accident? Are you a go now that we're in January, you know, are you naturally a goal driven, ambitious, determined person? T tell me a bit about your own um, skill set and personality. I think I would have at the start, starting out, I would I would have said I wasn't entrepreneurial or I wasn't that. But in hindsight, having looked at, 
you know, starting and building the business and all the years in between. And looking back, my my father, um, he was a publican. So he was, you know, owned his own pubs and stuff like that. And it was my his mother, my grandmother, who was very entrepreneurial. She was one of, if not the first um, female publican license holders in the Republic. And she had well-known pubs and hotels. And um, so she was very much, I've been told, very, you know, a businesswoman of a different time um, for when she was was here and doing all of that. So I think that part is in somebody, you know. You've been exposed to it as a age. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think you can really learn that bit, the you know, the risk-taking bit, the bit that's just that gut instinct. I think you can do all the courses and learn everything that you need to do to run a business, build a business or be entrepreneurial. But there's a certain something. It's susceptible. Um, it's susceptible that nobody else has. Yeah, and I think it is. Or a bit of madness, I always say. That tenacity just yeah. to keep going because it isn't easy. No, it's and, easy. you know, it's way easier to have a passion, find your passion and work doing that as opposed to going off trying to do it all on your own and you know run your own business that's way harder and it takes away a lot of the fun and joy of what you might have you know thought was your passion so there is something else there than just knowing how to run a business or wanting to do it um and it is I think it's just that bit of grit being able to just weather the storms that constantly keep coming and being able to hold that all together while trying to get those goals or do something new or whatever the whatever the business decisions are but yeah I think now I feel it's just part of me it's in it's in me um to to be like that and I would have thought everybody thought the same as me or had the same I not had the same ideas but was able to come up with 10 ideas in a minute to do something or something different or saw things the way I did and it's only in time that I realized that that's not the case that it's you know it's certain people that you know a lot of people I do surround myself with that are like that but it's not how everyone is so you know it's good bad to it I know what is your what is your why why do you do it because you know I know running my own business as you say you know the curveballs come at you left right and center but you still power on and and I always ask my clients when they sign up I want to know the foundation of it all because this is what's going to drive you forward when the shit hits the fan what is your why 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 do this why continue on yeah, I think the why is so powerful and it's been talked about so much in the last few years with Simon Sinek and, you know, a lot of um, leadership, thought leaders are talking about your why, your why. Um, but it's a valid point because when things go badly, that's kind of all you have. Yeah. And, you know, there's been times, um, you know, that I've been at a decision, you know, or at a stage where it could all just end that was probably an easier decision to make and you really need something very strong to help you keep going help you justify the stress Mm -hmm. 
and help you justify the risk that you're taking by going much harder route than calling it and saying, right, we had a good run and now is our time to to fold up or do something different or if it's not working or whatever the case is. And I think it just comes back to, you know, I do have a son, Cooper, but Waxperts is definitely my first baby, you know, and I do have that emotional attachment to it, which can be very bad when you're trying to run a business because you're not making the the best business decisions because you're very emotionally attached to it. But ultimately, I was 28 and went to open up a salon and I really did it for my clients so they were very much the why it wasn't that I ever wanted to open up my own salon that was never actually a goal of mine I loved what I did I loved my clients I loved waxing and I would have stayed where I was forever until I retired but that wasn't what happened for me and I had to make that decision. And it was really my clients at the time that spurred me on to go, you know, I'll come wherever you're going. And I thought, oh, my God, they believed in me. I didn't believe in me at that stage, but they did. So it was those small steps. And I think you keep coming back to that, that there's something bigger. And yeah. we feel it here. We're a very small team, but there's something bigger because Waxperts isn't just our passion. You know, it's we hear it from some of our salons that use it, that it's changed their business or it's their favorite part of their business or, you know, how much they love the brand. So when things have gotten really tough, which they have at times, I have to think about this isn't just about me or our team here. This is about, you know, whoever Bridget and Westport, who has a salon, making that up, but you know their their business, their livelihood, their families, their everything. So it gives you more grit, maybe that gives you more courage to kind of keep going through that. And I think that's all part of it, and that's part of the responsibility of being the leader in a business, you know. And you have to, you're it. Yeah, you have to be courageous you have to keep it going you have to make those hard decisions and ultimately you know I think the the stress management of it is is huge whether you can manage it or not is another thing yeah. but and, you and that, you're it you have to take that on there's no yeah. other way about it and it's a different level of stress and and the women that I coach like I coach women all over the world and it doesn't matter you know, what culture you're from, what background you're from, you know, what country you live in, the stress is stress is stress. The stress is the same. We, 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 we fundamentally experience the same levels of stress in our life, whether it be family, work, and, and they come to me because they're doing really well and they know how to, to manage, you know, different things in their life and they're excelling. But it starts to when when you throw yourself all into your work and you give yourself Alan to your your role as CEO of Waxperts and, and leading the team and then going home at night and, and you know, being a mommy to Cooper and, you know, being a wife and being a, a sister and being a daughter and all those things, you know, this leads me very nicely and then to the next part, you know, how do you look after yourself? You know, I it's my job as a coach to keep my clients batteries at full mm -hmm. and fully charged and on green so that they have the energy number one to give to themselves 
and their health and to give them longevity and to give them good mental health, but also then to give out that energy to other parts. So have you found and how do you manage your your own? How do you look after yourself outside of your work? Do you look after yourself? Is it a part of your life that you're neglecting or are you do you have a nice set of habits and behaviors in place? No, I think it's I personally would struggle with it a lot. And I think it's something I might be all or nothing with okay. and when I am doing all the right things that I know are what I should be doing. I feel the benefits. And then it's once it stops. Yeah, it's so hard personally to get back going in it. Very and over the years, it's been, you know, different things. I've, you know, done a lot of, I don't know, all sorts of things that you try um weight training or the gym or swimming or but I find it very hard to carve out the time for myself to say I'm doing this um and commit to it um you know I I I if I was to sort like if I knew I was stressed or if I knew I had an issue I'd probably do something more holistic first so I'd do yeah. some reiki or something along those lines and try and manage it like that um but I do find it incredibly difficult to to do that and I try if I can to prioritize rest and sleep yeah um because I know that that's really really what my body needs more yeah. than being able to fly around you know doing 12 hour days and still and I've done it I've been up at five when I've been doing weight training in the gym and committing to that and doing it and feeling great at the time when I was do, doing that for a period of 10, 12 weeks or whatever it might have been. Um, but that wasn't sustainable for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, because again, like that, life gets in the way when you're trying to, I like to be here in the office. I like to turn up at the same time as, you know, everyone else in the morning. I've For me, that's important mm-hmm. that we're starting our day together as a team. So I struggle then if I was to take time out from that to say, oh well, it's your business you can go in at 10 I yeah. find that very difficult even yeah. though sometimes I go okay I'm really going to do this or the girls are so encouraged and they'd be like go and do your walk or do whatever it is um but it's things like that perfectionist, have to um, a bit of a perfectionist? No, I, don't, I don't think I don't think so but that's probably for someone someone else to answer on yeah the team, maybe. yeah um you know but the mornings are like most people's running to drop my boy to school coming to work getting stuff done and then you're just constantly in that that race against time so I do find it very difficult but I prefer a routine I'm very much motivated by a routine and you know when I can get it like that that it's work then I do feel that's when I feel physically the best Mm -hmm. when I know okay, I'm doing this at this time, this time, this time, and it just keeps rolling over. And what Um, knocks you off kilter? Pardon? What would knock knock you off kilter? I think like that, if there's a a stop in the routine or if it's, you know, I didn't do it for a while, I find it very difficult to restart. So I can do it great. You know, I could be doing a year of doing something. Mm -hmm. And then once that kind of, stops it it stumbles it throws me off track and then I find it much more difficult then to you know get back into a routine of exercise or wellness or anything like that so Mm -hmm. and also when I'm highly stressed 
I find it nearly impossible, even though it's the one thing you know that will help your mind and help all of your things. Sometimes it can just be mentally so hard. And I think in that sense of of my own uh, toxic trait of, you know, I know everyone always says something is better than nothing. Whereas I'm telling myself, oh no, if I can't do it properly, there's just no point even putting the and runners again, off. That's, that's that all or nothing mentality, Ellen, exactly. that a lot of my clients deal with. Exactly. Because they're so successful in their career and they know the level of effort that goes into it and they know what they're doing. And then they go, right, I'm going to do this. And if I can't do it right and I can't do it pro- properly and and if a curveball comes in, and you can't do it right. It's like somebody the other day had said to me, oh, I was doing so well for three days. And then sure, I went out to Costa Coffee with my friend and I had a rocky road and I had a packet of, you know, hand cooked cheese and onion crisps and through the whole the shit, the whole thing. And I went, and what's wrong with the rocky road and the packet of crisps? But sure, that's not healthy. Sure, that's just ruined my day. And I was going, no, but it hasn't. It's your response yeah. to that that has ruined your day it's not and that would definitely be a big big struggle Um, even like that if it was on a on a for a diet or nutrition thing you know they say like one bad meal doesn't equal the next bad meal the next day for me it'll equal the next month the next week (laughs) yeah it's just yeah yeah it's getting the balance um and I get that Ellen when you're running a business you're so invested emotionally and physically into that baby of yours as you say, it's a, it is an emotional attachment that you prior, will always prioritize that. Mm-hmm. And I know for me as a coach, I'm always saying to clients, um, you know, but if you're not looking after yourself, if you're not getting your sleep, if you're not getting some downtime, if you're not getting out for the walk, if you're not hydrating well, you know, getting plenty of fiber into your diet, you ain't going to be here. Or look after, yeah. look after yourself or have the energy to do that so the cart comes before the, they're putting the cart before the horse and and is there ever you know in terms of your own diet and your own nutritional habits Ellen where would you be with that I think that's always been a struggle for me because I've probably um struggled with that since I was a child you know since I was very young and then very difficult through my teens and early 20s so I suppose that, now, can you just give me more information on that what do you mean yeah so that? I suppose now we'd call it like disordered eating right but back then it wouldn't have had that name so it didn't yeah. like fitted ticked a box of yeah. what was what a name I knew back then so I would have had you know various um you know, disordered eating patterns through my teens where either it was binging or restrictive or, um, listen, all of them, all all of them and the above, you know. So I find that very difficult to manage. And I probably was more in my late 20s where I felt I got a bit of a handle on that. But all the way throughout that, with any bad habits I would have had or, um you know, any, I suppose, I don't want to, you know, I know this is a very sensitive subject for people, but any restrictions or binging that I would have been doing, I would have always been in some type of weight club, yes. slim club, since yes. I was probably 16. And it's only now, you know, I'm 44 next month, when I look back at pictures of me in my early 20s, where I was, I mean, very, very slim 
but I wouldn't have ever thought that, you know, I never thought I was, you know, slim enough. I never thought I was slim enough that anybody would notice that I had anything. And maybe I failed at even having disordered eating because no one picked up on it. Yeah. You know, people go, no, you don't now. But I knew what was going on, what I was doing. Yeah. Um, so I'd always been in. That was nearly a hobby going to one of these clubs. That was just how it was. So I would know the calories, points and sins and every. Your friends probably did it to you, Ellen, you know. Um, no, not really. No, my friends now, one of my best friends from school, I'd be still um, best friends with, has always had very healthy habits and um, healthy food and uh, exercise habits and maintains them very consistently. So it wouldn't have been an exposure there. Um, so it was just... an exposure at a young age at home, you know, and I often, you know, I often look back at people when I'm coaching people, you go right back to their childhood because it comes from the home, it comes from childhood, it's the habits and behaviours that children are exposed to from their parents, you know, and, and yeah. God love them, they don't know what they're doing, like as I would say when you're rearing kids, you're only rearing kids the way you were reared yourself, you know, and when you become more aware you can fix things, but you know, it's what you're exposed to as a child. And a lot of my clients who I would have coached who have who have poor relationships with food and disordered eating, they've maybe had a parent who had been dieting at home when they were children and they were exposed to that. They were exposed to maybe a mother, you know, being derogatory about her own body and not liking her own body and being exposed to that that vocabulary at home. And it has a profound impact, I think, Ellen. You know, I'm not a psychologist, but it seems to have an impact. We have psychologists coming in our program who work with women who have poor relationships with food and, and sort of had, you know, issues with diets. And because I think, Ellen, I don't think you're any different to a majority of women in this country who, you know, yes. have been to Slim and World Weight Watchers. You know, I've been to it myself, you know, and when I look back, God, is, is, is it any wonder, you know, it's it was almost like a generational thing. Yeah, and the culture was very different about how we spoke about diets or food or restricted eating or every magazine you picked up, you know, was pre-Instagram and all of, you know, the internet now that we get our news and our celebrity stuff from. Every magazine had celebrities' heights and weights and whether they were a good weight or a bad weight or whether they were fat or whether they were thin. And that exposure from, you know, your formative years as a teenager, you don't need it to come any closer to you that is enough you know so I think culturally from you know early 90s the you know and uh, that was marketing for food companies or for cereal companies or for whatever it was it was everywhere so there was no escaping you know being exposed to being told what was good what was bad and that meant you also not just that this food or this diet was good or bad, but that you were good or bad or nothing enough or not, you know, the right shape or whatever, or the right weight. Um, so everything we were watching on TV or reading, that was the narrative. Yeah, it really was. That and I think was and the I obsession. Think, yeah. And I think today the modern day um version of that is is Instagram and, and it's people editing their photos on Instagram and then we look at it and we think. God, why, why, do I, why don't I look like that? And again, yeah. we self-reflect then and we feel like shit and the cycle continues and this yeah. is a new generation. And 
um, in terms of, and, and you're trying to get women to a place of eating, you know, I always say everybody's normal's different. Everybody's normal's different. And, yeah. you know, one woman might have one dinner a day and two snacks. Another woman could have three meals a day. There is no normal. And thank God we know now that, yeah. you know, we have so much research that it doesn't matter how many meals a day you eat, you know, do what's right for you. Mm-hmm. you know? um, but how has things progress for you now, Ellen, as, as a grown woman in your 40s and you're hitting that sort of lovely, delightful perimenopausal age. Have you noticed any changes or? Yeah, I think so. But I think, um, you know, with COVID and we had a lot of, of stress personally in our personal lives with with managing COVID and um, we had elderly parents at the time, both myself and my husband and <laughs> health issues and things like that kicked off maybe a weight gain that is still something I need to to manage so I think the last few years it's been it's been a struggle so I probably haven't seen it in a perimenopausal way more than just accumulation of you know the COVID stones that everyone was exposed to and things like that so I think you're more aware though now as a woman, the going into menopause, what we need to do to be healthy to, you know, for longevity and for our muscle mass and for, you know, our brain um, food and, you know, things like that. We're much more aware, but there's a constant stream of, of advice and it's just listening to what's correct and what's, you know, right, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think we have a lot more information there. It's just making our way through uh, the good, the good information, the helpful stuff. Yeah. And, and as a mom, how do you manage with, you know, at home? Do you cook dinner in the evening? Do you have a routine at home? Yeah, not so much a routine, but I try to cook, you know, dinner every evening as much as we can. And then with the odd treat, whatever. Um, so I do try and do that. I mean, we were all reared with, you know, our mum was at home all the time. So there was always your homemade dinner and mm-hmm. um tried to do that. And my uh, my son discovered last year he loves uh to cook and wants to have a restaurant, he tells us. So he went and did mm-hmm. a little camp, uh a little, I'm not sure what time, maybe it was a summer or midterm camp where it was cooking and learning that. So he has an interest now in in what's what the food is or what's the meal going to be so we try and keep that going for him as well and not being too not getting too stressed over whether they're eating all the vegetables in the world right now because you know they're not going to be eating pasta and butter when they're in their 20s please god (laughs) you know that develops as well so I think you learn from that you know where you've gotten maybe you would have got panicked when they were tiny tots about something and then you just realize oh, shit, they weren't you know even if it's potty training you know if I could go back and tell myself then forget about the stress it'll happen but at the time you're just so involved in this thing that's not happening and it's so stressful so now I kind of use that as going listen if he's having whatever he's eating and we're trying our best and we're, we're showing the vegetables and showing everything every day that's yeah. enough whether they eat it or not it's visible if they're exposed to it yeah. um, and that kind of thing so yeah, all you can do is try your best and oh totally, like every totally. Child, they're gonna 
they're going to love totally stuff agree. And try I remember stuff and not try it. And no, and and I think as well, Ellen. Like I know my son. I have four, and my son he's the eldest, and you know he just his dad was horrific and. I remember my mother saying, it'd be grand. He's not going to eat like that his whole life. You know, when he goes to school, what do you say? He'll be fine. And sure enough, when he went to secondary school, we started, you know, he started to get school dinners and he was exposed to that. Yeah. And he started to eat that. And now he's at university and he's, you know, he, he eats everything now. And, you know, I remember the time too, if I had to just listened to my mother, she was right. She goes, Jesus, you know, he's healthy. He's fine. He's yeah. grand. He's thriving. He's 100%. I go, mommy, you're you're hundred percent right. He is, and you know, and she says, if he's hungry, he'll eat, and if he's not, don't torture him. Yeah, don't torture him. And he's just so right. And I think he, I'd be quite um conscious to try and make sure that it's like food is is a positive thing, and to yeah. keep that yeah. that nothing is a bad food or nothing yeah. is, you shouldn't be having that or don't have that. No, and you no. know, when I see him eating, he's he will say and go, I'm full and there'll be still food. And he just yeah. go, oh, my tummy's full. Yeah. And I'm thinking that is such a great skill yeah. to have because I yeah. never had that. I never had that satiated feeling. Yeah. So for him to have that and know, okay, I'm done now. I yeah. feel, I think he's just brilliant. Yeah. We're trying to remember that there isn't a, go a good or a bad and that, you know, I think attaching even, you know, now he's, he's kind of more aware of everything going into his preteens, you know, trying to say, oh, well, protein is good for your muscles and yes. this is good for energy you know it's connecting it to you like, it's connecting yeah, it to health and never to image i think what really it does. Important. exactly yeah yeah exactly because i know the bee i've seen it where you know he's been with exposed to you know other kids eating and somebody said you know something's bad like bread mm. or pasta or something like that or that makes you fat yeah and they're only 10 you know <laughs> and it's just to remember crazy. that you know, or you, you can see, you know, the, the, that it's a different, there's different things to talk about food rather than that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and Ellen, in terms of yourself, um, with your own, you know, how do you, how do you navigate a day? And I, because I speak to women every day in business, you know, I would say there's no right and there's no wrong. Tell me how you navigate. What does your day look like in terms of, of food? And do you, does your weekend do you relax a wee bit more at the weekend with your eating or do you try and have more sort of health seeking behaviors around food during the week what what does your week look like in terms of of you know what you eat um I think it can vary like a successful week for me is where I have like not exactly a plan but that I've that I have stuff there that I can grab a lunch or have a breakfast or you know have a dinner where it's not constantly going to the shop or else you're like oh I'm too tired I'll just do this so it's kind of being prepared in that sense and it's funny I was only talking about this last night to my husband I said uh, there was a girl I follow on Instagram she's in America and she's lost like 100 pounds very healthily and she was talking about meal planning and meal prep and I never it's never appealed to me because I like to cook. I like to have fresh food and not have something I made five or six days ago to eat. And she was saying the same on her stories. But she said what she does, what worked for her is that she'll prep the vegetables so that everything's cut up or chopped up. And mm -hmm. then she's using already the chopped stuff to make that bit of life a bit easier. And that was such a probably everyone's doing it. And I didn't know. And I was like, <laughs> that makes so much sense because then you're just 
I grab a handful of this, a handful of that, a handful of that, and then you're ready to go. You yeah. know, so it's not that the actual meal is prepped and they're all sitting there, yeah. you know, like a weightlifter with all their like Tupperware ready to go. But that may be all the red onion is, you know, chopped and done and all the cucumber or all the peppers or whatever it is yeah. that you don't even have to think about. Yeah. What do I have to put into something that it's it's there? Yes. So yeah, that came up yesterday, last night, actually, in conversation. So, you know, I try to have something in the morning or... Um, and would you have, like, the same breakfast every day, Ellen? Would you... or, or you, would um, you No, but person? I'd have the same... You know, if I'm having something, I probably would have it for many weeks, the same thing. And then <laughs> that might change, you know? Yeah. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of the team here have their breakfast in the morning when they come in or they'll have yeah. it at... 10 o'clock or that so I'm exposed to to that they're all extremely healthy and not how I was at 20 so you know that's a joy to see because you're oh, what are you having and what's that and you know yeah. uh, and then at lunch again it's a, what we're exposed to around here everyone's having their brought in their lunch or they've prepped it or their the George Foreman is on and someone's Very good. their lunch or yeah that's so, good. I think it's great being part of that environment as well. I'm a firm believer you become your environment. And definitely I love I think young people nowadays, like when I'm talking young, I'm talking like kids, late teens, early 20s. I think, you know, if they've been involved in sports, they've been exposed to a little bit of solid and and, and good, healthy advice around nutrition as well. Yeah. You know, and they have that foundation, like I find, especially the lads, Alan, you know, I don't know if your son's into sport. But, you know, I coach a lot of women and if their sons are into Gillick games or rugby, a lot of the kids at home, they're, they're teenage lads. Of course, they're getting the whey protein and the big buckets of whey protein and yeah. they're starting to get because they want muscles, you know, the disco yeah. muscles and, you know, they want to get big and strong. So they are nearly leading the way in the household sometimes. And then the mom's coming to me and I'm going, well, look, maybe we need to add some more dietary protein. And hold on a minute. My son, my son son's eating like that and I'm going brilliant brilliant yeah. and I got hate my son gets and I'm going fantastic so I can see that already in households in Ireland where the mummies are coming in and they're nearly replicating the diets then of what their children they're they're adopting the same behaviors yeah just fabulous yeah yeah so I think we're surrounded by good healthy choices when it comes to work with breakfast or lunches or lunch ideas and yeah. it's just the it's just a matter of do I have like what can I grab? Do I have something from last night's dinner yeah. to bring in, or what can I grab quickly to bring in to have prepped or to have yeah. them work? Because once you don't have that, then it's yeah. then the decision comes of, you know, what are you going to have? And you know, that's easier to make a poor decision than yeah. a better a better choice, you know. Do you but find would you be, choice, would you, you be know? when you're stressed to the eyeballs, Ellen, and you're stressed out, do you find would you be an emotional eater? Would you would yeah. you turn to food? No, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And last and what's year, what's your go-to? Yeah, what's your um, go-to? Probably any a savory. I wouldn't be a sweet, a sweet tooth person, so savory would be very much it. And I think it's more that that hormone you'd know better than I. That hormone that tells you that you're full. Yeah. I definitely don't have it. God didn't <laughs> hand it to me when he was putting me together. Um, with all the Lego pieces I didn't get that bit so I do find that a struggle to there's no satiating um, thing there so I think when I'm stressed and it's definitely 
the food thing and it's it's visible you can see that I've had a hard time and that I'm stressed because I'm visibly different I'm physically bigger um because you're managing all of all of that and that's just how it is but again in my head I'm going well that is that for that time and that's okay because you're doing the best you can do that's how it's presenting itself right now that's okay because there's solutions to that when you're at a stage that you can actually manage that that you can take that on but right Mm -hmm. now if you're just in survival mode you know you're human that's okay too and I think Ellen that you have the strength and the self-discipline and the capacity to you know get that weight off again you know if you are emotionally eating and you're going through a period of high stress and high anxiety and you have the self-discipline to be able to get back on track again that in itself says a lot about you because there's a lot of women don't and they can't yeah. and, and spiral out of control and they have the worry of the issue that's causing them stress and then they have you know the extra weight that they're carrying every day that's a physical reminder every moment of every day of every week of every month that okay you've got this worry and now you have another worry on top of it that yeah. you create yourself which and I've just been there I'm there like I'm yeah that's you know where I am well probably couple of months ago but I'm kind of in a different headspace with it now because I know I can have time now and I have that space myself to to deal with it but it's very much that and even you know I have a great GP very big fan of you know getting a good GP and somebody you can go to and you know last year she was like you were in a there's a quadrant and you happen to be in chronic stress and she goes all I want you to do is try and get just try and sleep so that's yeah. all we can ask for right now is to try and get that bit going and let's see, can we even get that bit? And then we can go with something else. Then yeah. we can move on because you realize you can't tackle it all no. at all, you know, and it does feel completely out of your control when, when yeah. things are so yeah. you can do anything. So but you can do, yeah. You can do anything, but you can't do everything. And um you know my husband has been in in the health and fitness industry a lot longer than me and from day one he always says the single most important thing is your sleep Mm. number one your sleep is the most important thing that's the one thing we try to fix with our clients because they expect me to come in right you're going to make me skinny tara i'm going to be amazing and we're going actually no what are you sleeping what's your sleep like it's like true boring yawn and going I don't care we've got to fix your sleep because if you don't get the sleep right you will be worth nothing to yourself and absolutely nothing to anything else in your life so you get the sleep fixed because the knock on for your body for your mind your physical mental like every part of your health it's all coming back to that and it is hard to try and get quality sleep when you're stressed so that is enough to try and manage because it's so difficult you can't you know take on any other any other tasks you know that is the big the big key one for sure yeah and throw them perimenopause on top of that and you know it it just the sleep it's I never really had an issue with sleep until menopause and then it traced it back then to whenever I had a glass of wine or a few drinks my sleep was horrendous Mm. and so you know even if I had one glass my sleep was horrendous and once I took the alcohol out the sleep improved and yeah. then I got more sleep and things improved and my mood, my mental health has uh, my energy. Uh, and, you know, as a health professional in her fifties to realize at 50, 
how important your sleep is and I'm thinking well at least I found out if I didn't find it out at seven and of course my husband said I've been telling you for years but would you listen oh no (laughs) and you know what I think it's going to be like how we're how we know so much now about our gut health and how important all those good bacteria and all the gut health and all the different how important that is your overall health I think this year it's going to be about sleep being that absolutely crucial thing that everything revolves around um you know my own mum passed away last year of Louis body dementia but again sleep would be a big part of that my dad had an autoimmune disease ms um very aggressive ms and autoimmune sleep big part of that not saying they didn't have good sleep but I'm saying that you know sleep for our health is hugely important it's the most important thing Ellen you don't have good sleep then how are we supposed to have a walk go out and exercise be motivated do anything yeah and and even circling right back to the start of our conversation we had talked about sleep and we had Dr. We had Tom Coleman in to do a workshop with her clients, her menopausal clients on sleep. And, and probably because I was experiencing an issue with sleep at the time. And, and Tom had set up two things. First of all was get up first thing in the morning and expose yourself to fresh air. Yeah. Uh, to set your circadian rhythms and your sleep cycle starts when you wake up, not oh, I have like the best alarm clock thing. It's one of, it's like for SAD or and it's the circadian. The new one, Alan. So, um, I'm not sure uh, like of the brand but again you set it to when you want to wake up and it's slowly the light kind of releases so you your brain it's naturally waking up however whatever magic it works but I would highly recommend it it's super and are you a morning person Alan? Um, I, I don't know I'm not either or really you know I love what time would you rise at? Bed. what so, time would you rise at? what would your sleep routine be like? Um, I try to be up for like seven but again like that when I've done things in the gym and stuff I'd be up at five and find that fine you know or if we're traveling for work you have to be up going to the airport or whatever that kind of thing so I wouldn't really have much of a preference you know very good but but you're getting would you be getting seven hours seven eight hours a night yeah I try to and I try to keep it consistent yeah you know so it's not like a really big sleep in on a Saturday or Sunday I don't I don't have that I just try and keep it kind of the same but I mean like come kind of half eight in the evening like my my feet are like itching to get up the stairs and start getting ready to wind down and go to bed early yeah and and look anybody listening back to this I I keep saying this it's a game changer if you get your sleep if you get your sleep nailed it's a game changer I know even in the last four or five months it's like why did I not do this years ago why did I not do this years ago it's just been made a massive difference to my mood to my business you know even at home as a mommy you're not a short you know yeah. you're a nicer person and it just has made I a think massive it's, difference it's especially if you know anyone's a mother it's something that you know sleep rules your house and your routine and your life because you're constantly trying to get your if it's a baby trying to get the baby to yes. sleep or the baby sleep then it's the child trying to get them to be in their own bed then it's trying to get your child to bed if they're reading stories everything revolves around sleep yeah. and I think your routine then as a as a parent you're putting off things we get them to sleep then I'll do a load of laundry then I'll do this then so yeah. you're actually adding more of this workload that we have or invisible workload even to when somebody else is sleeping yeah. So it's a constant thing in our in our homes and houses and families that uh, we don't address really for ourselves. 
And sometimes when you're working for yourself, you could be working all hours. You know, my husband, he works for himself as well. And he could work, maybe only start his work at seven in the evening, be finishing at, you know, project at 10 and come down. That's his time to relax. So sleep yeah. is definitely being pushed later. Yeah. You no, know, so it's it's very different for everybody, but actually our lives really revolve around it because we're either managing other people's sleep or we're, you know, avoiding our own by giving ourselves tasks to do instead of actually putting that as a priority and going, everything else can wait. I'll be up in the morning and I can put that laundry on or whatever, you know, I know and it's hard. It's funny because in our house, there's a long standing joke. You know, my kids laugh at my husband because, you know, if there's anything wrong with you, what time did you get to bed at last night? What time did you get to sleep? So if there's anything wrong with them, there's two cures, sleep and pseudocreme. You know, yeah. arms hanging off you, you should put pseudocreme in that. And if yeah. there's something wrong with you, you're tired or something, what time do you get to sleep? You know, know. So it's a long there is, There's a reason why it's, you know, like a torture <laughs> thing not having any sleep you know that there's a reason i think it can send you do lolly yeah yeah, absolutely absolutely but ellen you know thank you so much for sharing all those insights into your life into you know where you're at right now with your business um your relationship with food as 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 a young woman and that i think that's I, I connect with that. I know a lot of people listen to connect with that. And, you know, it's lovely to be able to talk to somebody who's very open and honest with that because a lot of people have a lot of guilt and shame around food mm-hmm. and around what they eat and around how they look. And I think the more we can talk about this, like I absolutely love chatting to people about things like it because we were talking, you know, about the diets we did recently and we were talking about the worst diet, you know, we'd ever done. And we were talking about, the, I think mine's was the cabbage soup diet. And yeah. You know the things that you did when you were young and but i do believe that it's not a bad thing because you learn so much as well as you get older and you know i love being this age because you have so much more wisdom and understanding which yeah. is fabulous because then we can give that pass it on to our children yeah you know, for sure you know I, I think we lived in an era where you know parents were so busy they didn't they, they didn't you know, I know my mother would never have said those things to me. You know, you sort of mustered your way through yourself. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's different now, which is which is fantastic. And I really, really appreciate you coming on. And oh, I hugely admire what you do and that you're holding it all together. And you still look as beautiful today, oh. you, know, <laughs> you know, despite running a business, you know, having having a family and doing everything you're doing. And I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Tara. Thank you. Not at all. Not at all.